How y'all doing today? Good to see everybody. James asked me to fill in. He's got another uh, soccer tournament to go to with his son. And uh, just asked me to say hi to everybody and come up and say a few words. Um, Why don't we open with a word of prayer? Father, thank you so much for this time, this day that you've given us to be together. And I uh, just pray for the church services that are to come, for, uh, for Clark and for the music and for um, the time of worship that we'll have together. Lord, I just pray for each of my brothers and sisters that are here. and just pray that you uh, minister to their hearts any and every need that they have. I pray that you uh, just um, bless them and uh, let them know your great love that you have for them individually and us collectively. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you all for being here. Today, I want to look at, um, am I too loud? Am I okay out there? Sound okay? Today, I want to look at uh, God's infinite love and value for every believer. God's infinite love and value for every believer. And I think we all know that, um, you know, we all know, at least in the real common sense, that you know, God loves everybody, you know, he, he certainly has his beloved, you know, he has the saints, you know, his believers, the body of Christ, and that we're all loved by him. And I think we know that, but I think sometimes we, we kind of kid ourselves into thinking that we're not that valued by him as a member of the body of Christ. I think, um, I think basically I narrowed it down that, that there's two problems and they kind of all branch off from these two. But we think that our own unique giftedness, whatever our spiritual gifts are within the body of Christ, I think we think that our own unique giftedness is either, uh, you know, common, you know, or blasé. You know, if, if we're not if we're not like a pastor or, or a minister or someone who, who does, you know, Bible teaching or has a degree or whatever, we think that we're not really that important in the body of Christ. We may not say that. You know, we probably would never say that to anybody, but I think sometimes we kind of get that feeling. It's like, well, you know, I'm not that important as a member of the body of Christ. I'm just, you know, I'm one of the members of the body of Christ, but I'm not that important. Well, that's, that's not true. And I think the other side of the problem is that we think whatever our weaknesses are, whatever our shortcomings are, or whatever even our, our sins are that we have kind of that we struggle with, we think that, you know, maybe we're the only one that has those struggles. We're the only one that goes through that, where that those sins and those weaknesses, those shortcomings, that they're really unique to us. And we, we kind of disqualify ourselves from God's work of the ministry before we even, you know, step to the plate, you know. So I, uh, I had my daughter actually look up some synonyms for me uh, <clears throat> for... Um, for value and uniqueness, which is our, the two things I want to talk about for our, our, our worth to the body of Christ and our, our importance as members to each other. And uh, value can mean things like worth, assessment, uh, uh, priceless, irreplaceable, cherished, collectible, dear, incalculable, incomparable, inestimable, prized, rare, treasured, and worth a king's ransom. That's some of the terms, some of the synonyms for value. And if we think of our value to the body of Christ as individual members to the one body, those are some of the things that I think we, we uh, can contemplate. 
And you got to remember, you're unique. You know, folks, you're the only you that the body of Christ has. You know, the body of Christ doesn't have another you. You know, you're unique. And some of the things that uh, are synonyms of unique is different, exclusive, individual, one and only. And I like this word, onlyest. <laughs> you're the onlyest. <laughs> you're the onlyest you there is. Rare and singular. So your value, your uniqueness is truly important to the body of Christ. And you think, well, you think, yeah, I'm valuable, but to who? And important in whose eyes? Well, certainly you're important and valued in God's eyes. But you have to remember that down here on the human level, you're very, very important to the body of Christ. So let's take a look. Uh, I want to take a look at, at a few passages. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and uh, starting in verse 3, and I love the way Paul words this. Paul says in 2 Corinthians verse 3, he says, Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ. I just stop right there. Do you get up every morning <laughs> when your alarm clock goes off and you think, I'm an epistle of Christ, you know. We don't often feel that way. But, you know, the thing about our faith is our feelings, our feelings have to follow truth, don't they? You know, that's the way our emotions work. Our emotions follow kind of whatever we're contemplating, whatever our mind is dwelling on. And if we can get our minds on this truth, on, on the word of truth, and, and the, the truth that God has for us, the truth about us, then we can see, yeah, I'm an epistle of Christ. He says, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, verse 5, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives what? Spirit gives life. You know, Paul makes it clear, before anybody thinks, you know, the Corinthians were, you know, kind of a carnal bunch, you know. And before he even, they even get to thinking that he's boasting on himself, he says, not that we are, are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, in and, on our, in and of our own humanness, in and of our own flesh. He says, but our sufficiency is from God. And he made us sufficient ministers of the new covenant. And um, I, I really do think, I, I do think this is a, an issue. We come, you know, we come to church and we think, well, if I can get my friends to church, if, if I can get them to, to listen to the pastor or listen to James or, or talk to the, the lady or the guy who sits next to me, you know, they know so much about the word. They know so much about the Bible and uh, they, they're so experienced and, you know, they're kind of the hard guns. And if I can't reach them, you know, they'll shoot them down. You know, we think that. But, you know, nobody's in your world, in your little sphere of influence like you are, you know, even with, even with your weaknesses. And, uh, you know, um, I think God has placed each of us in the body and in our own world, whether it's, you know, work, school, wherever we're going, uniquely. And, and we're there. Um, and whatever our struggles are, whatever our weaknesses are, uh, we, we kind of think this. It's like, you know, you're sitting there and you're, you're sitting in, in uh, Sunday school, you're sitting in church, and you think, 
boy, if the person next to me uh, knew what I was like, really, you know, uh, they wouldn't want to hear from me about God. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. God knows you anyways, warts and all, and he still wants to use you. We think that we've got to get it all together. And and we we come to a class like this. We come to uh, uh, a church where people here, I believe, Grace, wonderful church, and Clark and James, the way they teach. We think, we begin to think, everybody else kind of has it all together. Except, you know, maybe you have this Lone Ranger mentality that says, everybody else has it all together except me. But that's not true, is it? Every, everybody else has their own warts, you know? Everybody else has their own problems. Let's take a look. We, we think, we, here's the deal. We think our weaknesses and our sins are, are unique to us. We think like, no Christian struggles with this. No Christian has this problem. No Christian goes through this every day, having this mentality, feeling this way about themselves, having the same struggle that they've struggled with for years or, or have the same struggle they've struggled with the same person at the same job or the, or the same student at the same school forever. But take a look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. First Corinthians ten thirteen says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. <laughs> See, your weaknesses and your frailties and all the problems that you have and even the temptations that you have, they're not unique to you. They're, they're common to man. But look, who's the one that's faithful? Who's the one that's faithful? God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted or tested above what you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And uh, take, take a look. There's another passage here. I think it's in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 9. I have to find it here. First Peter Chapter 2, verse 9. This is, this is who you are. This is who you are. He says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, so you can proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but now are the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And he says, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly desires which war against the soul. Now, you see the teaching here under grace? He doesn't say, Now, abstain from those selfish desires. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't have them. (laughs) Abstain from those selfish ways. You know, if you were truly a child of God, you wouldn't have those problems. No, he says, what does he say here? He says, they war against your soul. They, they counter against who you truly are in Christ. You know, It's a matter of, of, of our identity in Christ and, and taking that to heart and saying, yeah, God, you're right. Regardless of what I feel. Regardless of the weaknesses I have. So we think our sins and our weaknesses disqualify us. And I like to use the, uh, you know, the 
the in the seat illustration, you know, like I said, God wants to use you in the seat to reach the person next to you. You know, and when I say next to you, I mean in your life. You know, we're the only one that works who, where we work. We're the only one that, that goes to school where we go to. We're the only one that has our own little sphere of influence. You know, Jesus told the disciples, start here at Jerusalem, branch out, you know, go to Samaria, to the utter, Judea, the uttermost parts of the earth. Why? Because those, they were the ones there to do it. And I've always wondered about that passage where Jesus said, you know, look, it's good for you that I go away. Because if I go away, I'll send the Spirit to you. And he's going to lead you into all truth. And then he said something, I think it's in, in Luke, where he says, greater works than I have done, you shall do. And I was like, listen, this guy raised people from the dead, healed lepers, you know, walked on water, you know, multiplied loaves and fishes. And it's like, Lord, I know you don't make mistakes, but what did you mean by that? What does that mean, greater works than I do? Well, I did some looking into that, and the word greater there simply means more far-reaching to a greater extent, to, to, to an infinite reaching. And it's like, you know what? The disciples started in Jerusalem, went to Judea, Samaria, and where? The uttermost parts of the earth. And Paul said, by, by the time he'd written Colossians, he said, the word of God has gone throughout the world. Why? Because when he left, look at the multiplication that happened. He sent the Spirit and it's like in Acts where they called, he said, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. The first time that, that term was used, it was a derisive term that the Greeks gave the Christians. It meant little Christs. And they were trying to hurl it at the, at the Christians as an insult. But the Christians went, hmm, I'll take it. He's in me. You know, God was manifested in the flesh once, and now he gets to live in our hearts here. We'll take that. We'll take the name Christian. Take a look now at Second uh, Corinthians, chapter uh, chapter four. And starting in verse three, Second Corinthians four three, he says. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whom, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And look at verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power, the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. See, it's Christ in you always that's the hope of glory. You know? And we think, we think glory, we think that means heaven. <laughs> we think, well, because you know, we've heard too many songs growing up that sing when we get to glory. But see, glory is in heaven in that extent. It, you know, the heaven is glorious. But glory is God's perfection, God's life, God's working in and through the believer. So he, he, he wants us to know that we have this, this treasure in earthen vessels, just us, with God working in and through us. Take a look also uh, Yeah, verse 7. Okay. Um, 
look at, I got other stuff here I know I'm not going to have time for. And here's the thing. We, we think our, our, our gifts don't matter. Take a look at Romans chapter 12. We tend to think that, well, you know, we have the pastors and the, the Bible teachers and those who have a, a degree and letters written after their name. You know, and, and that's great and all. And I, we praise the Lord for that. But take a look at Romans chapter 12. We've got to remember that God set the gifts and the giftedness to each believer as he wills, the way he wanted to. You know, not everybody has the same same gift, nor did God want everybody to have the same gift. Paul says in uh, Romans 12, 3, he says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. Having then gifts that differ according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So Paul didn't say, hey, you know, I want you to use his gift or him to use her gift. It's like, no, it's like Paul said, they're delivered, they're distinguished to each and every believer as God wills. You know, think if, think if, if everybody was an ear. <laughs> and people think, oh, you know, this, this, this lady, she really hears from God, you know. And I can always count her to, to have a word from God that she heard. And it's like, you know, somebody else, well, well this guy really speaks from God. It's like, well, if everybody was an ear or a mouth, you know, where would the rest of the members of the body be? God divided the gifts as he willed. And it's almost, I like in verse 3 where it says, um, let's see. Uh, in verse 3, I don't know about in your, in your Bible, but where mine says, I say to you through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly. That's in italics. So it's like that's, that's not in the original Greek. That's just added for clarity. But it's almost like don't think of himself, her, her him, them more highly than you ought to think. Don't think that one member ought to be valued more importantly than the other. Every member of the body is valued. Just stub your toe. <laughs> you know, you realize how, how important a little member of the body of Christ is. And... Uh, we, uh, we've got this dog. I've got to give this illustration about my dog, her ears. She's uh, a mix between, like, I don't know, a rat terrier, uh, a chihuahua, and uh, a dachshund, maybe. <laughs> and she's kind of all out of proportion. She's the cutest thing. But when she, she gets alerted, her ears are so long and out of proportion with her body that even when they're standing up, they won't stand up, right? <laughs> So even they're standing up, they're flopping up. But when she lays on her side, they're standing up like this, you know. And she looks like an alien or something. <laughs> and I always say, look at them ears, you know. But think if we were that way. Think if, we just, think if we just noticed one member of the body of Christ. You know, that's why Paul says, you know, in other places, let everything be done for edification. You know, because every member of the body needs its own care, its own nourishment, and it's had, it has its own distinct purpose. So he divided the gifts as he willed. And I almost, I almost was thinking about that is he graced the body of Christ. He graced us with individual members. He gra- it's like, what would you do without the members of the, of the body of Christ that had this function? 
What would you do if, with, without this member of the body of Christ? And that's why we think, you know, well, we've got the hired guns, you know. We've got the, the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists and those people who have television ministries. And we think they're the important ones. Well, they are important. But does that mean that they're more important than any other member? I don't think so. I think uh, when we get to, to heaven one day, I think we're going to be surprised at, like, someone's grandmother or whoever, some lady that, that prayed for you. That you'll find out in the kingdom one day, it's like, this member was so valuable because she was available to God. She was available to be used by God. So... We, we have this kind of disconnect in our thoughts sometimes. We think, we'll show up for church, we'll get blessed by those who are gifted, and then we move on. And we go into our rest of the six days a week, and there we are, just blasé and normal. It's not that way, and I think, I think God wants us to see that. I want to take a look, before I close today, I want to take a look at... Um, uh, I thought it was in Philippians, but it's one of the places where Paul said, let this mind be in you. Does anybody know where that is? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Somebody finds that before I do, just holler out. Two five. Thank you very much. And... And let's, I want to just start up, up in the first verse, and we'll go down through that. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, and any uh, affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Now, he's talking about the value of each and every believer. He says, and let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each, each esteem others better than themselves. Now think about that. If everybody went about doing that, you know, we would see the value of each and every member of the body of Christ. He says, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And he took upon the form of a, of a servant and and came in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And if you look at, at all these times where, where Paul and Peter and the writers of the New Testament use the word let. Now, why do you think they, just, they use the word let? Things like, on the positive, let this mind be in you. Uh, in other places, let love be without hypocrisy. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, let brotherly love continue. And Jesus said, let your light so shine before men. Uh, Paul says, on the negative side, let all bitterness and anger and, and, and selfish ambition, he said, let it be put away from you. And he said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? It's a choice. It's an absolute choice. And it's... When, when you're going to let something, you know, if, if, if the water's on or something and, you know, the sink's not full enough, <laughs> let it run. You know, let it happen. It's what God wants to do in and through us. He wants to let the positive things and he wants us to let the negative things go. He wants to let each and every member of the body of Christ 
have its function. Let Christ work through them and let, let God have his way. And that gives glory to God. And I believe that's how we receive the most joy. We receive the most, most uh, happiness and contentment. Uh, and, that's, and because of him, because of that treasure we have in earthen vessels, we're fully enabled and empowered. You know, I call it our, our, our letter, you know, our, our will. We let these things happen. We're, we're, we're fully empowered to do that for our own good and for the glory of God. We're told to let these things happen and let them come about because it is what the Spirit of Christ is wanting to do in and through us. And you and I don't have to worry about being qualified. Paul says Christ is the one who qualified us. He made us qualified ministers of the new covenant, right? He's the one that's qualified us. He's the one that's gifted us. And Christ is the one that's qualified. It's his spirit, and the fruit of his spirit is the result of what emanates from him. And I just, I just want to finish by saying this. It's like our little sphere of influence, our little world is, is there for the glory of God. It's like we think we, think we got to go and just, Lord, you know, I hope I can reach this person or I hope, uh, you know, I don't blow it in front of them today. Isn't that usually what we're, what we're hoping for? Hope I don't, you know, become a bad example. You know, hope I don't, quote, blow my Christian witness. You know, and many times we think, we think our witness or our testimony is going to be the thing that someone's, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're in the balance of eternity, you know, and I think, you know, they're not going to inherit, inherit the kingdom because of us. Folks, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying behavior isn't important. But the Bible says that the heavens, universe, declare the glory of God. I mean, look at, look at, uh, look at a cow giving birth to a calf. I mean, look at, look at the heavens. Look at, our, look at nature. Look at the awesomeness and the complexities of our creation. You know, uh, you're not going to keep somebody out of the kingdom. <laughs> you know, they're not going to be standing there and uh, stand before God one day and Say, well, you know, one of your kids, Jason, I didn't like the way he behaved, so I didn't come to Christ. <laughs> it's not his fault. You know, ultimately, everybody's accountable to God. You know, everybody has to answer to God for themselves. And Jesus said, the good news is, is Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. He's, he's reconciled the world to himself. He's not counting their sins against them, and he's not counting your sins against you. He's reconciled the whole world to himself. And if they'll just receive that, believe what God has said, you know, they're reconciled to God. They have new life in Christ. And that's what we all want, right? That's what we're all wanting for. And I, I just uh, I wanted to come today and just say a few things, but I just wanted us to take away remembering that our weaknesses are not uncommon. Paul says all our temptations are are common to man. There's nothing that you've ever come across. There's no way that you've ever failed or been tempted to fail in that isn't common. It's, it's, it's come across everybody's plate now and then. And the other side is that your giftedness is unique. Your giftedness is yours from God. He gave you those gifts. You don't have to have anybody else's gifts. You shouldn't covet anybody else's gifts. Your gifts are from him. 
And we can, we can thank him for those things, right? Amen. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for each and every person here that you placed in the body of Christ and in this room. They are all gifted from you. They are all truly special to you and valued by you and important in the body of Christ and in this world, in their own little sphere of influence. And I just pray that each and every uh, person here is blessed by this truth and that we take it with us throughout our week and, uh, and bless others with it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.